Well, it's great to be here. It's great to be worshiping with you. And, um, and we're in the second week of a series, a series called Fearless. And uh, what does it look like to take a stand for Jesus Christ, really no matter what it is that's coming at you, to remain true to Him? Fearless. That's what we're going after, all right? And, uh, you know, I just thought this week was actually a little bit of a, a change in our home. Uh, we actually sent both of our girls back to college. Um, I say that in the most tender sense of the word. We actually were like, hey, it's time to go back to college. See ya. And uh, so uh, we ended up taking Alyssa back on Monday. And uh, I was a little more tearful, I'll be honest, just dropping her off. This is her first full year at Taylor. And so we dropped her off on Monday. But uh, just a very sweet time. She uh, was very acclimated there and, and uh, helping with some leader stuff. So we got her there early for that. And, and uh, just excited for her. And then my wife and uh, Heather and Mac dropped off Megan over the weekend, so both our kids are now gone, so we are empty nesters again. High five, right? Right? We're doing, come on, baby, don't leave me hanging. We're, uh, we're doing good, and we're appreciating and excited for that. I'm just going to say this, you know, it's an adjustment, but uh, it's the second time around. There's something about perspective that changes everything, you know? And once you kind of know what's going on and you're kind of settled in and then you kind of take those steps together with that healthy perspective a lot better. I even watched my daughter Megan pack differently because of perspective. I mean, she's done with college this semester. So she graduates in December and she's like, ah, who needs that? So she's leaving all these scarves behind and all these heavier clothes, right? You're just kind of like, it's not going to be that cold. And, and where before it was like, Anything that is even remotely associated to my name of possession, I'm taking with me, right? And you're caravanning out there with as much as you can possibly pack in. And now she's taking minimal stuff. In fact, to the point where at the end of it, she's like, I must be forgetting something. This car just isn't that packed, you know? And we're like, praise God for that. Makes it a lot easier to unpack it on the other side, baby, right? But uh, perspective, I mean, it, it really does change everything. And today's passage is all about perspective. Perspective in life and perspective in the ministry, all right? So let's dive in. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And the first point here, we will count the cost. Man, true perspective comes with understanding the cost. We will count the cost. He starts in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. But we have this treasure. What treasure? Well, if you go back right before it, it's the privilege of being able to know and understand the greatness of God and the glory of God. It talks literally about the light of the knowledge of the glory of God beaming forth, shining from you. And you have that tre treasure, that privilege of knowing God Almighty. And man, I'm just telling you, we so underplay the word glory. The greatness of the character of God pouring into our souls. And uh, just this huge privilege. It said right here at the end of uh, last week's passage when God says, let there be light, and there was light. Because when God says it, that's the way it goes. And he's like, hey, just so you know, God also talking about that in your soul, saying, let light shine out of your soul, the source being him and his very glory, that's 
the treasure he's talking about. This awesome privilege of knowing our God. But we have this treasure, the treasure of glory and life and ministry with our God, in jars of clay. And just so we understand that fully, in jars of clay, right? This is a sort of a, a term that meant back then those fragile vessels they used to use to carry or hold things. But in fact, if you were to drop it even slightly, it would probably crack, right? They were made out of a clay. They were heated up. They had some level of the ability to hold things in them. But the reality was they were very fragile and often had cracks all throughout them. In fact, you could even picture some of them sitting there where there's cracks and holes in them. And if you were to put a candle inside, light would actually break forth through the cracks. He's like, just so you understand, you and I were the jars of clay. We're the fragile, if you drop us just the wrong way, we'll break cracks in us vessels. That's us. And, uh, super fragile, super tender, super careful. Now, the reality is most of, the, most of us like to walk around trying to sell that we're not right? Oh, yeah, I totally have that under control. Oh, yeah, I've got it. And, and, but the reality is we are so, so tender emotionally and spiritually and even physically how quickly things can take us down. And uh, we are jars of clay. Uh, and it's a really big deal that we understand there is a massive treasure in a very, very, get ready for the word, uh, worthless pot, right? And may we not make much of ourselves, but we, may we make much of the treasure. And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal. We better grasp the perspective. And the perspective is not, we're so awesome. The perspective is, my God is so awesome. And, and I am super fragile and Man, who knows how long I last under this pressure, but my God is stunning. And then he says what the plan is to that, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And uh, so let's make it clear, God is purposefully making us and allowing us to be weak, our sin being the cost of our collapse, and he's allowing that to touch and affect, and then at the same time steps in, puts his glory in measure, starts changing us from the inside out, and as that starts beaming out of us, really the only appropriate answer you can say to that person is, man, what's so different about you? And they would say, clearly nothing about this, right? It's all about my God, and uh, that's the point. You know, I've used this illustrate before, but D.L. Moody, preacher at the end of the 1800s, early 1900s, was preaching one time, and somebody came up and said, clearly, the Holy Spirit is anointing you and working with you. And he said, well, I'm humbled. Thank you for saying that. And he said, yeah, you really aren't that good of a preacher. It must be the Holy Spirit doing something, because, <laughs> right? And, and, and the reality that D.L. Moody was standing, all he said was, thank you. There's no greater honor than my God is using this moment, because we are all jars of clay. We are. And may we not try to make much of ourselves. May we make much of our God. His surpassing power working in and through me. Man, if you have started to get used to saying thank you for every gift and talent you have and taking it on yourself like, I am pretty awesome, time to set that down.
It is your God in you and his surpassing greatness that needs to be worshipped. And all of God's people said, perspective. We are jars of clay. He is an amazing treasure. It says then, we have a list here now. We are afflicted in every way. We are afflicted in every way. Literally distressed. uh, Physically, emotionally, spiritually pressed down on. We are suffering. Now, let's make this really clear. This isn't suffering for your sin. That's not what this is talking about, okay? Everybody say, not that. All right, it's not that. This is suffering just because this is a broken world, and there's somebody next to you who decided to be a bit mean and go after you, or some event that just happened in the world, and you're being pressed in on, not because of your sin, but just because. And uh, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. Not crushed, literally that means distressed to the point of hopelessness. All right? And uh, let me just say this. Each time he gives us a, we are this, but we are not this. Right? He's like, we are this. Like, that's the the jar of clay, the fragile, broken person. But we are not this. That is because we have the treasure within us, God Almighty. Right? And so he says, we are afflicted. And we are. We are jars of clay. We are broken. We are pressed in on. We are weak. Everybody say we're weak, right? But not crushed. My God has this in hand. I will worship him. You should meet the treasure of the universe. My God is strong. Everybody just say that phrase. My God is strong. That's the perspective, man. I'm a jar of clay. But man, does my God have this in hand. And uh, afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, like, man, I'm confused. I have no idea what step to take next. And uh, maybe you're there this morning. There's some big decision in your life that needs to be had. There's something that you need to be uh, moving on. And you're questioning and wondering. And man, I'm not sure which way to go perplexed. What does God want? What's even appropriate? What aligns with my passions and gifts? What is looking to be the next right step? Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Not driven to despair. Man, there is uh, not coming to the point of this is useless. This is hopeless, right? Despair ends up with us in deep self-pity, believing there's no way out. Man, perplexed, but not driven to despair. And if you're like, no, actually, I think I maybe am driven to despair. Here's my request. It is time to set down the hurt and the concern for the moment, right? We get so good at knowing the problem, and it is time to know the problem solver. It is time for the treasure of the universe, God Almighty, to be at work in you, okay? And yes, perplexed, it's great. Admit that to your God. God, I really don't know which way to go with this. I'm not sure how to handle this, but I cannot wait to see you work. Man, lean on your God. Hang on. God's doing something. He loves you with all he's got. Hang on. I'm going to say it one more time. 
He loves you with all he's got. And hang on and watch your God move. Lean on him. Trust in him. Not crushed. Not to despair. He says persecuted. Literally, uh, this is somebody pursuing you with the desire to harm you. Persecuted, but not forsaken. But you are not alone. And, and there, there might be somebody at work or somebody even in family or a friendship crew that's like, dude, I cannot stand where you stand with Christ. And, and I can't believe you take this position. And I can't believe you think this is sin. And I am going to hurt you. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to make you feel pretty bad about your position. And I hope you bend to this. And they start putting pressure on that you might bend to what they want. And know this, you are not alone. Your God is with you. You are not forsaken. Stand in that gap. Stand on the truth. Your God beside you. No matter who pursues, you have the king of the universe. And all of God's people said, and I am not forsaken. Everybody say, not forsaken. And that is a huge deal. Struck down. Literally, this means hit and you drop. Struck down. Like I've taken a blow. And uh, You might be here today and you're like, I, that's exactly how I feel. Struck down. Hit hard. And uh, my heart hurts. My emotions are a wreck. Spiritually, I can barely get the worship on. Man, I've been beat on, struck down. Note the, the declaration here, but not destroyed. Man, I'm telling you, God allows things to come into our lives. And no, we do not understand the when, the where, the why, and the how. We don't. And we're okay with that. That's really our declaration is, God, you're in charge. And I'm going to let you lead on this one. This hurts like crazy. I'm not thrilled with the next step, but you're in charge. I will lean on you. I will lean into you. I am not alone. I am not crushed. I will not allow it to go to despair. And I long for you to do this work in me. Protect me. Hold on to me. Not destroyed. It says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Literally, the marks that Jesus would have carried when he was crucified. The whipping, the beating, the bruising. Like our body beaten hard. Paul's telling you something here, man. He's been through it with shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and dragging him outside of a city and leaving him for dead and Paul's body carrying in him the marks of Jesus' death. And I'm just telling you, we live in America where really the worst thing we can say is, they said some mean words to me. Right? That's our life. Like, we really are unhappy with the fact that they got a, a little bit unfair with their wording. Right? And just so you know, um, there are a lot in this world that are actually taking on physical, physical harm. For the name of Jesus Christ. Man, may we learn to stand in the gap for our Savior. May the power of social pressure be viewed as nothing. And all of God's people said, 
And are you ready to stand in the gap and stand for your Savior and stand on the truth of God's Word, not as a jerk who's offensive and harsh, but honestly weighing in for your Savior to get all the glory, hanging in there. He's like, the, our body carries the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Know this, we get a hit we may share a mark with Jesus on the downside, but I'm telling you this, on the upside, there is life internal. There is changes taking place. There is a treasure inside. You are being transformed one degree of glory at a time. God is doing a work in you, life in Jesus Christ. Man, you can have hope in him. You can lean on him. You can count on him. It says, for we who live are always being given over to death. All right, so I'm just going to say this one more time. For we who live are always being given over to death. So if you're here this morning and you have been hearing the health, wealth, and prosperity message that kind of goes, hey, come follow Jesus. It'll all be perfect. Like if that's the message somebody somehow got to you, if that's what you've been hearing on some TV station, change that station, you're done with that person. That is not what God's word says. Everybody say not. Right? It isn't about follow Jesus, it'll all go well. It actually literally says the exact opposite. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Did you know that part of God's plan is to walk you through tougher struggles as he now grows you and he helps you to let go of self and grab onto him? That's part of the plan. And uh, you might be like, yeah, I hate that plan. I'm, I'm not really a fan of that plan. I like the other plan. And uh, really, at some level, this is our human side, right? Wouldn't we be like, but God, I mean... Why wouldn't you make it where when we follow you, follow you, you make us perfect instantly? They're like, that's the nicest guy I've ever met. Oh, yeah, he met Jesus, right? Wouldn't that be great? And never go through a struggle again. Everything is perfect. Why not that? Let's send a message. It's worth following Christ. I'm just telling you, people running at Christ would be all about self. The reality. I now want it easier. I now want it softer. And the message is not, let's get it soft. The message is this, we are jars of clay. And he is the great treasure. We get Jesus Christ, man. We don't get comfort. You hear me? It's not about my comfort. It's about my king. It is not about my comfort. It is about my king. I'm just telling you. That is a super important message to lock in on. God is doing something. And in the midst of the message, right, it's like, it doesn't really sell well. Come follow Jesus. It's all going to go terribly, right? And it doesn't mean that. It says he will let you go through some things, but it will not get taken to the final end. It will not be crushed. It will not be despair. It will not be alone. You have your God. Now get ready. He's going to walk you through some things that teach you to let go of self and grab on to your Savior. That's the message.
It says, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, always in the end for his glory, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Lord, may you light us up with internal change that starts beaming out. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Man, that's one of the greatest things about ministry is being able to see lives changed. And people coming to trust Christ as Savior and getting fired up for Him. And while it may cost, I'm telling you there's great benefit in seeing God glorified all the more. And that's what he's talking about. I just want you to know this passage was probably the most life-changing passage for me. And uh, I was uh, in engineering and uh, kind of a management position and some marketing stuff as well. And I was deciding whether I wanted to go into ministry. John and I were talking about it and praying about it. I was, like many of you, sitting in a church. I had gone to a thing like First Connections and Discover Harvest. I'd learned about the church. We had kind of moved into becoming members. We were talking about going after it there at Harvest Bible Chapel, Naperville. And I was in the lay position, the work position. And... Uh, uh, one of the things I had been doing over the past couple of years was teaching. I had been teaching at another church we were at, and, and some really cool things were going on there. I really enjoyed it, and uh, teaching was kind of an affirmation thing that was going on, and I was like, this is awesome. I could go after this. I could see doing this, and uh, then when we moved over to Harvest Naperville, doing some teaching there, and people were getting saved. We were seeing some people come to trust Christ and really started getting fired up. I'm like, I'm so in on this, and... Uh, and then I took this class called Practice of Ministry, and we had to develop a philosophy of ministry from 2 Corinthians chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, these chapters. And I'm telling you, I got to this section, and I was like, whoa, are you telling me that if I go into ministry, it's going to be like affliction and pain and pressure, and I thought it was going to be like, I teach, they appreciate it, everything's really happy. And like for real, that was partly in my mindset. I'm like, I don't get it. And I'm really not sure I'm a fan of this. Actually, I came home, I said to Jana, maybe I should be a prophet of school. Maybe we shouldn't do this thing where we go into ministry. And we had a very real talk about it. I prayed through some things and we made a commitment that semester as I was writing up some papers and turning them in to close out that class. I'm in. I don't even know what I'm saying, but I'm in. I am ready, God, for you to do whatever you need to do, that you get the glory. I I'm in. Now let's do this thing. And man, it, it was just six months, a year later, I ended up part-time on staff there and then full-time on staff there. And just a handful of laters, we ended up, years later, we ended up down here. Uh, on staff full-time. And man, God has walked us through a journey. For those who have been around for a while, you know, we've been walking through different things physically. Our staff has walked through things physically. Our elders have walked through things physically. I'm just telling you this. Man, we are afflicted, but we are not crushed. And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. Hear me. Our call is to serve the living God, who is the treasure of this universe, may he get all the glory. Are you in? Are you willing to count the cost? And I'm telling you, it doesn't mean you understand it. Don't let fears rage. Like, oh, what if? God's got it. And you see the promise 
all the way along the way. God has it in hand. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, not driven to despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of death, the body of the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Man, please hear me. There is sweet privilege in following after your God. It isn't a promise of ease. It is not about my comfort. It is about my king. May he get all the glory. So just right where you are, just take a deep breath, for real. Deep breath. And get ready to set down self and take a step out for your king. Are you in? Okay, number two. We will keep our eyes fixed on the prize. We will keep our eyes fixed on the prize. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. Since we have the same spirit of faith. In other words, since the Holy Spirit who is working in whoever wrote this, we're going to look at a quote from the Psalms here in just a second. And, and since the Holy Spirit was working in the psalmist, so the Holy Spirit is now working in me, Paul says. Since we have the same spirit of faith, everybody say that's the Holy Spirit, according to what has been written. Now he quotes from Psalm chapter 116. He says, I believed and so I spoke. So if you hear those words and you're like, yeah, I don't get that. I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Okay, we're going to cover that in just a second and we're going to make it a little more clear. Just so you know, he's quoting a passage that most would have probably known. And so as he quoted it, it's one of those moments where they would have filled in the next words. You know what I'm saying? And they knew the quote so well that the following part of the quote would have been on their lips. They would have whispered it out and... Uh, may have gone something like this, like if I were to say this to you, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And, and we sort of, we know these scriptures and we sort of start quoting it back out. And if somebody says it, you whisper the next part of it. And it says, I believed and so I spoke. Next quote of it, I am greatly afflicted. They would have quoted that out. He's like, I believed and so I spoke. And they would have been like, I am greatly afflicted. Oh, so true. Just like the psalmist. And we are experiencing things day by day. And we are jars of clay in this broken, pressing in world. And, and in fact, the next part of the verse says that I am amazed. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm alarmed. And then he starts to quote out. And he's like, all men are liars. The psalmist just starts to go off. He's like, everybody's against me, right? This is crazy. But the psalm starts out with, I will worship my God. He's like, no matter who's against me, I am not alone. That's the psalmist's message in Psalm 116. He talks about some struggle and some pain. And he's like, I believed and so I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. And Paul quotes this off. And make sure that they understand that's exactly where Paul stands. 
And he's like, hey, just so you know, just as the Spirit spoke then, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. This is part of the plan to walk through some heartaches that we struggle through well. And uh, it says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. Man, I just, I can't get this more clearly across to you. The power of God expressed in this world is when people see you going through what they go through, but you're going through it with your God. Are you hearing me? People are seeing you go through what they would go through, but you're going through it with your God. And there's something different about how you're handling this struggle. And, and I don't quite understand how you can do that. And, and now you get the chance to share out the greatness of Jesus Christ. And uh, he says here, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. Get this, man. Jesus Christ, he came to this earth he actually literally died. He took pain on him. He took sin on him. He went to the cross and he died for you and for me. He died to cover our sins. Three days later, God the Father raises him from the dead. There is power. There is life. There is healing. There is salvation. There is hope. The fight that seemed so lost has now been won. Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. The angels in euphoric celebration. Death is conquered. Sin is covered. Amen. Man, we got to get this. Jesus Christ has gone to battle and he's won it. It's over. And he's like, just so you know, now God's going to share that with you. The resurrection that Jesus Christ had now in your life. You get to experience the resurrection. You get to experience the power of God Almighty winning in this world and putting himself on display through you. Man, this is a huge deal. Get this hope. Death is so painful, but it is so temporary for those who trust Jesus Christ and lean on him. And all of God's people said, Hear me, man. We will rise from the dead. It says the dead in first will the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us who are still alive will rise and meet him in the air. There will be a change in the twinkling of an eye. You perfect, your body meeting up with your soul, and now in heaven for all of eternity, resurrection life. Man, this is a huge deal. I don't know if we get the resurrection thing, man. Like when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, Scripture also says that there were those who had passed away, like in the prior days, weeks, months, who also were raised from the dead. They came out of their tombs as well. Can you imagine that moment? Like you were at a funeral for one of your family members, and all of a sudden, a knock on your door, and you open it up, and it's them, right? And the first thought you have is, oh man, I don't know what I ate right? There's no, way, there's no way you embrace that and expect that. Hear me, our God conquers death. That's what resurrection means. Our God conquers death, covered, and he brings us into life with him for eternity. 
where there is laughter and there is joy and there is no sorrow and no pain and no tears. And this broken world is the past. And we are with our king forever. Man, I'm telling you, that's our hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ that we will be raised with him. It says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise you. And then it says, and he will bring us with you into his presence. He will bring us with you into his presence. You will see your loved ones again. And those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior will be rallied to a place. And we will be together. And there will be a recognition of each other. And there will be high fives and laughter. And there will be praise and worship like you've never seen in your entire life. Glory. The treasure of God unveiled forever. Begin to grasp the smallness of this world and the vastness of eternity with your God. Whatever we walk through here is so small. Okay? He says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. It may increase thanksgiving. One of the major things God's looking to do in your heart is thankfulness. You being able to say, wow, thank you, God. Even being able to turn to another person and say, thank you for helping me. Because you see God working in and through them. And then it says, to the glory of God. I don't know if you get this, but one of the greatest ways you can glorify God is to be thankful. To the glory of God. One of the greatest ways you can glorify God is to be thankful. For whatever it is you're in, for whatever it is you're going through, God, I know you're doing something. And I know I'm not alone, and I know you're going to move, and I cannot wait to see you work, and I'm trusting in you. Thankful. Your character is amazing, and I'm holding on tight to see what you do next. May you get all the glory. Have you ever seen two kids fighting? And you ask them to apologize to each other, right? So the first thing they do is they kind of walk around and they sort of look at each other like they're not about to do this. And then you're like going to call them together. We used to do this with our daughters. You guys have to stand toe to toe now. And we need you to actually look each other in the face toe to toe and then tell each other that you're sorry by apologizing. Will you please forgive me for and be super specific? It was hilarious to watch them. Like, oh man, can't do this. Come on, right? That whole walk around. I, honestly, it, I'm just going to throw this out there for you guys. It looked a little like the Mayweather-McGregor fight last night. <laughs> Come on, I can't do this thing, right? And you're back and forth, a little bit of the posturing. And then you come up close to each other face to face. And all of a sudden, now they start to get a perspective to things. And, and they start, they're like, well, this is what I'm mad about. And like, it sounds kind of stupid, right? And so then you start giving it over, will you please forgive me for, and they start getting very real on it, and now they start to almost even laugh, and then our rule always was, you have to close it out with a hug, and so then they would hug each other, and by that point, we got two girls kind of getting along, and it's, it's over, right, in that moment. The apology was kind of a hard moment to break through. Have you ever tried to take two people who are mad at each other and say, just let them know you're thankful for them? That one's worse. <laughs> like, by far worse. Why is it so hard 
to tell an enemy that you're thankful for them. I just wrote this quote down. This is from William Jennings Bryant. On Thanksgiving Day, we recognize our dependence. You see, here's the secret. Thanksgiving is attached to dependence. We are thankful when we understand that we needed that. And true thankfulness begins to grasp what God is doing, and then we are so dependent on him to do it, right? Have you ever heard this phrase? You know, somebody goes, hey, thanks a lot. And then they throw this one on after it. You didn't have to do that. What are you saying? Hey, thank you, but I'm not dependent on you. Are you hearing that? Dude, be careful not to unwind your thank you. Thank you. That meant so much to me in that moment. Allow the dependence to be there. True thankfulness will be truly dependent. It will. And I'm telling you, if you're going to have a thankfulness rocking for your God, you're going to grasp your dependence on him, your need for him, right? So simple question, how's your dependence? How are you telling your God that you need him and thanking him for what he's doing in your life? It brings glory to the king of the universe when you recognize your position and go, I need you, God. Thank you for being you. I am stunned with your greatness. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you're doing now. Or how about this one? God, I don't understand at all what you're doing right now, but I thank you for your character. I am not alone. I am not forsaken. I will not be crushed. You are doing a work, and so I'm trusting in you. Thank you for not leaving me alone. I'm with you. Thank you. And I'm depending on you. And lean on your king with all you've got. And number three, we will not lose heart as we take an eternal focus. We will not lose heart as we take an eternal focus, not temporal. As we take an eternal focus, not a temporal one. It says, so we do not lose heart. And uh, man, note back in verse one, that's exactly how we started. We do not lose heart. And now he comes back here in verse 16 and says, so we do not lose heart. He's like, let's get this clear, man. All that I've just talked about with perspective, that's going to be so important to you not losing heart. Grasp what God is doing this in this world. Grasp that you are not alone. Grasp that he is the treasure and you are a jar of clay. Grasp that he will never, ever let this lead all the way to full-out destruction. Lean on him. And watch God work, so do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, and all of those 45 and up say, right? And we feel that pain, right? There's a point where you start feeling it, and you're like, oh, I'm going to so resist this. And then all of a sudden, you start eating healthier and working out more, and you're like going to try to, just so you know, it's actually very biblical, your outer self will waste away. And, uh, and that's a real part of who we are. We've got a short number of years physically, and... Uh, Outer self sort of going the wrong direction from what we'd want is a very real part of it. And it says, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Everybody say, that's not natural. It's not. 
your inner self being renewed is supernatural. That is God at work in your life doing something that only he could do. And while your outer self is falling apart, your inner self is growing to be more like Christ. One degree of glory at a time. Be patient. God's working with you. One degree of glory at a time. Are you ready to let him work? He says here, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I love this phrase. And uh, if there's a verse to memorize out of this whole thing, this might be one of them here. Uh, for this light momentary affliction, right? And uh, this is a moment where Paul is recognizing the battle that is on. And he's looking at his opponent face to face. And he's like, you're nothing. You have nothing. You as a world try to bring a pain. It is light. It is momentary. That's all you can bring. My God manages eternity. You're nothing. That's where Paul stands with the struggles he faces. Light, momentary affliction. Man, I'm telling you, there's only one way you declare that out. You have got a perspective that lasts for eternity, forevers, thousands and thousands of years. When we put our eyes focused right down here into this 30, 50, 70, 80, 90 years of life, all of a sudden, these pains don't seem very light or momentary. Man, I was hurting for like a whole week, right? It was a hard summer. I ended up going through so much struggle over the summer. It was like a whole month, right? And then think about 100 million years, and it's just the beginning. This is a light, momentary affliction. And all of God's people said, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. I don't even know if I can put the right words to this. Just get this. The stunning greatness of the treasure of God poured into you and now beaming out of you. You lifted up to a position you never, ever deserved. God doing something in you. And as the angels look around and see this saved thing called the church and people now worshiping and celebrating who used to be steeped in self and sin, as they see perfection and this glory coming off of you, the angels look at you. And they literally say this, that God is awesome. That's amazing what he did with you. I saw where you were. I saw what you looked like. And now you're this. This is an amazing weight of glory. And it lasts forever. You get to be the showcase for the greatness of Jesus Christ. Never claim it for yourself. Always pointing to him. And all of God's people said, amen, man. That is huge. An eternal weight of glory. And don't get so focused on this physical, earthly world that all of a sudden the pains of this world become so massive. It is light and it is momentary. And we have an eternal glory to be beaming out about our God and his greatness. 
says beyond all comparison, not even close to anything around here on this earth and what it's doing to us. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And be careful, don't get caught up in this physical world. Make sure you keep your eyes on your Savior. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The secret to the walk in this world is to get perspective. Are you in? Our goal has nothing to do with the next 50 to 75 years of life here. Right? Our goal has to do with eternity. And the eternal weight of glory poured on by God Almighty and us pointing back to him for all of eternity. God, may my next step on this earth be less of me and more of you. I'm in. Less of me and more of you. I'm in. Less of me and more of you. Everybody just say that phrase with me. Less of me and more of you. And that's how we count the cost.